I'm going to get into our message here this morning as uh, we're going to uh, continue and really wrap up a series that we have been in the last 13 weeks through the summer. We've been studying through the book of Daniel, and uh, the series has been living in Babylon as we've been studying through this. And uh, we've been looking at this question throughout the entire series, asking it every single week, and this is the question, how do we live for God's kingdom when we reside in this kingdom? How do we live for God's kingdom when we reside in this kingdom? And for some of you, this is your very first time here, and you're like, great. I came at the end of the movie, right? <laughs> I came at the end of the series. I have no idea what they've been talking about for 13 weeks. And so what I want to do here is I want to kind of help you understand where we've been at. We're going to talk through a little bit of where we've been, some of the things God's spoken through this series, and we're going to try and land this plane here this morning uh, with, I think, something God really wants to challenge us with. And so if you're not familiar with the book of Daniel, what's going on in the book of Daniel? We've got uh, the basic premise is God's people, the Israelites, have been unfaithful to him. And God said, listen, if you continue in your unfaithfulness, then I'm going to destroy you and exile you to a foreign land. And that's exactly what happens. God raises up the Babylonian Empire to come home. They destroy Jerusalem. They take many of the top leaders and they exile them to the nation of Babylon. And now you've got these people who are trying to be faithful to God. They're trying to worship God and serve Him while living in a foreign land with foreign ideas and philosophies and foreign gods. That's the premise of the book. And so as we've gone through the book, uh, week by week, I always have a big so what, right? We have to say, so what, what's the point of this thing? And there's a number of big so what's we've had throughout the year. Week number one, we said this, we are exiles. We are exiles. Just like those believers were taken to a foreign land and trying to stay faithful to God while everyone else was going a different direction, that's exactly the position we find ourselves in. We are living here in America, living here on earth in a world where so often the philosophies are going in direct conflict with following Jesus. And we have to recognize we're exiles. We aren't home. This isn't our, our land. This isn't our values. We have a different allegiance somewhere, right? We are exiles. We got to week number two and we said this. Our goal is to live in Babylon without Babylon living in us, right? Oh, we live here, right, you got your job, you got your family, you got your, you got to do the normal stuff. But the goal is how can we continue to live in Babylon without the philosophies and the ideals and the desires of this world getting into us? What are we doing intentionally to make sure it's not getting in us and changing us from the inside out, right? We got to week number three and I said this, when you live in Babylon, you're in a battle. In Babylon, you're in a battle. You don't always realize it. But there is a spiritual battle going on at every moment of every day. And the enemy wants you to be blinded to it. He doesn't want you to understand it or to see it, right? And then last week, we kind of went to the same principle and we said this. Uh, a spiritual battle demands a spiritual response, right? We are in a spiritual battle. And so often, we're trying to fight spiritual battles in the flesh and blood. And God's saying, no, you've got to fight spiritual battles in a spiritual way. Are you taking those things to prayer? Are you looking to me to be your victor? Are you standing firm on my truth or on your ideas? That's the challenge for us. Went on in week number five, and we said this, choose wisely whom you fear. Choose wisely whom you fear. This was a, a message I preached in and some of you kind of ruffled some feathers a little bit. But I talked about some of the philosophies of our world that are trying to get us to bow. I said, here's the problem. If we fear man, then we will bow to the philosophies of man. If we fear God, 
then there's nothing we will bow before him. All right? So we have to choose wisely whom we're going to fear. The last big so what from this series that I kind of want to bring us to is this. It's in the middle of the summer, I said this, faith requires radical surrender. Faith requires radical surrender. What do I mean? You can't just sprinkle a little Jesus on your life and everything will get better. He's not pixie dust, okay? Right? It requires radical surrender. It means I lay my life down for him. It's not I add him, I add a little Jesus and everything gets better. No, I submit everything I have. Every part of me gets submitted to his kingdom, to who he is. And this morning, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up with all of these ideas we've been working through. And I believe God is going to give us a very simple thought. And then I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to have some space to speak to our hearts this morning to respond to him. If you got your Bibles, turn with me actually to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be at this morning as we wrap up the series. As you turn there, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan. So if you've got off at all, go to our website. You can click on the top of our homepage and follow along on our website. We're getting close to getting into the New Testament. And so uh, hopefully you can jump in there, all right? Would you stand with me across the room? It's our tradition around here. Nothing sacred about it. We just stand to say, God, we value your words above mine. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13, says this. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do want to speak to us, and so God, we give you space. We open our ears to you today. God, my desire isn't that they would hear me today. God, my desire is that we would all hear you today. So speak to us clearly, we pray in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, well, we live in the land of 10,000 lakes, right? And I think it's actually, technically, we have like 13,000 lakes or something like that. I don't know how many it is. Okay, land of 10,000 lakes, and lots of people, you know, you got, we like water. We like to hang out there. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 20 seconds. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, what is your favorite thing to do either on, in, or near water, okay? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor. Tell them, what's your favorite thing? I'm not going <laughs> to. All right, all right. All right, how many of you said fishing? Fishing is your favorite thing. There's, I knew there'd be some of those people. How many of you like to water ski? Anybody like to do water skiing? Some of you like doing that kind of stuff, right? And you just straight up, you just like to swim? You like to do those kind of things? That's fine. Some of you like doing that. That's great. That's great. Uh, you know, I, I like to do all those things to some extent. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that my wife and I love to do, we just love to float in the water, okay? And so I brought this thing here this morning. So <laughs> it's a picture of my wife and I. So, so when COVID hit, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of stuff to do, so I bought this pool for $150. It's, like, it's got like two inches of water. Okay, you can take this off. None of us want to see me with my shirt off that much. Okay. But, but we love to just sit and float. That, that was my daughter took that picture, actually. She saw us out there floating. We kicked all the kids out of the pool. We said, you're out of the pool, kids. And we got our little floaties, and we're floating. You like this one? It's like a pizza pie. This is great. And we got in our little things, and we just float around. And it's nice, because you can close your eyes, and you can lay there for an hour. And if nobody bothers you, which is a really big deal if they, they don't, but if nobody bothers you, you can just enjoy your time. You're not going anywhere. You're just kind of hanging out there, right? And I think when I... 
uh, at the beginning of this series, I, I shared a metaphor with you guys. And I want to close this series coming back to that metaphor because it's something that God has really challenged me with. And I think he wants to challenge us with this. I think for many of us, this is the way that we live our lives. We wouldn't acknowledge this. We don't say this out loud, but I think a lot of us live our lives this way. We, we're just floating. We're just drifting in the pool. There's not a lot of intention to our life. There's not a lot of intention when it comes to how we spend our time or our finances or our energy. There's not necessarily a lot of intention around our relationships, whether it's with friends, it's with kids, with spouses. And I would say this for a lot of us, I would guess that when it comes to our faith, there's not a lot of intention. We're kind of just floating. But here was the image that I gave you guys several months ago, and it was this, that life is not really like floating in the pool, in the kiddie pool, like me and my wife were. Life is more like a lazy river, right? Because when you're floating in a pool, you don't really go anywhere, but that's not how life actually is, because there is a current to our world. There is a natural current. And if there is not intentionality in your life, the current will take you somewhere. It just will. There's no such thing as neutral in our world. And so what I want to do is I want to get to our big so what. We're going to start there, and then we're going to kind of work off of that, all right? If you got, every week we say, so what, what's the point of this thing? If there's nothing else you take away from my message this morning, it's this. Following Jesus isn't an accident. Following Jesus isn't an accident. There is no such thing as passively following Jesus. All right? Hear this. Just like floating in a lazy river, the river is taking you a different direction. And the river of our world, the culture of our world, is taking you away from Christ. It is in direct conflict with following Christ. When you live in Babylon, everything about this world is naturally pulling you in the wrong direction. And if you are not intentional in your commitment to Christ, if you don't take steps with purpose to pursue faithfulness to Christ, you will float downstream with everybody else. That's what happens. So we look at the passage of Scripture. This, what we read here this morning, these are the words of Jesus. If you're not familiar, this comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to his followers. He's saying, listen, here's how things are. This is what you need to be aware of. We look at the passage here out of Matthew, and it says this. Enter through the narrow gate. What I love it right there is it says, you got to make a decision here. Like there's an intentional step. You aren't naturally going to go through the narrow gate. I'm telling you, you've got to make some intentional decisions if you're going through the narrow gate. Just is. Not everybody's going that way. He says, why? Why? For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's the normal way, right? That's where everybody else is heading. What? And many enter through it. That's where everybody's heading. And this is what we have to grasp when it comes to Babylon. If you forget everything else from the series, you need to remember this. We are living in a foreign world that is taking us the wrong direction. And if we simply put it in neutral and just hang out, we are going the wrong way. And as your pastor, I am pleading with you to recognize this. I pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see the realities of this truth. Because it would break my heart if anybody would attend this church, just show up every week and think they're going the right way, when in reality they're walking down a broad road that leads to destruction. 
Because it says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. How many of you know what this word life is? Zoe. You want to experience the good stuff that God has for us? That's not actually the normal direction of life. That's not, the, that's, that's not a given. You just live, oh, you're going to experience it. But no, no, no. It comes in submission to him. It comes as we pursue him. It comes with intentionality before him. When I, uh, I remember this verse. I actually taught this verse to my son Levi when he was about five years old. I remember it was a verse for church, and we memorized I came up with this cute little, enter through the narrow. I came up with this little preschool, little rhythm to read it to it, you know? And this is one of those verses I think is really good for us to, like, teach kids. But, but I think it's really easy when we have verses like this. Oh, that's good for the kids. No, no, no. It's good for us. Because, hey, adults... We have the same tendency. We have the same tendency to look around us and follow what everybody else is doing. Looking to get our cues from those at our workplace, those in our family, those in our neighborhood, trying to keep up with the Joneses and doing what everybody else is doing, rather than saying, how can I be faithful to you, God? How can I experience the life, the Zoe life you desire for me? It only happens in submission to him. And so Jesus comes with these strong words saying, listen, the normal way of life leads to destruction. There is no neutral. How many of you have ever driven a stick shift? Have you ever driven some? Some of you just got nauseous right there remembering those days, right? I remember, I remember my, uh, I had a friend who had a stick car, and uh, so I, she would, she was petrified to drive her own car, so I always had to drive her car for it. I remember the first time I was driving it, I got to an intersection, left turn lane, you know what I'm talking about? And the left turn lane, so now I'm in the middle of the intersection, light turns yellow, and then it turns red. And now everybody has stopped, and I have to get out, and pff, killed it. And I turned it on, killed it again, and I'm sitting in the intersection, they're honking now, and I'm like, I want to go! I can't get the car to move! All right? But if you've ever driven a stick shift car, you know the most petrifying thing to happen is to stop uphill, right? You get at a stoplight, uphill, you get anywhere uphill. Why? Because you know one thing. When you take your foot off the brake, you are in neutral. But what happens? Start rolling backwards. Why? Because there's no such thing as neutral on a hill, right? Like unless you are intentionally doing something or going somewhere, you are going down the hill, this is life. The natural flow of culture is down the hill. <laughs> if you are not pursuing Christ, if you are not staying faithful, saying, I want to be intentional in my relationship with Christ, neutral is destroying you. New you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. You're floating in the lazy river. And it may not seem crazy, but you are going the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Following Jesus isn't an accident. You know, we talk about the gospel all the time around here. I shared it even at communion time. We talk about the gospel, the good news of what God is. It's very easy to say, well, Greg, Greg but isn't God, isn't God, he's got us. He'll take care of everything. Like, I don't have to actually follow after him. Like, it's all about him. It's not about me. You're right. But our response to the gospel, our response to the gospel must be one of surrender. Our response to the gospel must be one of submission. To say, God, I am yours. I'm completely yours, Father. And I'm going to screw up along the way, 
Can I get an amen, right? I'm going to screw up, but God, my desire is to pursue you. When I fall, I'm going to get back on my knees again and say, God, I'm yours. I give my life to you, right? It takes intention. It doesn't happen on accident. And so what I want to do here is I want to I close uh, our time here by taking us back to, to week number one. And I want to give us some time to be able to to think about this and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. In week number one, I talked about the fact that when you live in Babylon, uh, Babylon wants you to compromise. The enemy wants you to compromise in your life. And I spoke of three very specific things that we saw out of the text there. And there were three areas. Number one, Babylon wants you to compromise your allegiance. Your allegiance. Who is ultimately in control of your life? I, obviously, when we follow Christ, the purpose is that he would be where our allegiance is, that everything we do would be under his authority. The enemy doesn't just want to take your allegiance. It's not like, you know, Satan just saying, hey, I just want you to worship me. No, he just wants you to worship anything other than God. He doesn't really care what it is. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. I've known people who have just their heart has been broken for a specific cause, Right? Something in our world that is clearly an issue. It is clearly something that needs to be dealt with. Right? But I have seen them in their passion for a cause give their allegiance to their cause rather than to their God. And what can happen is because of that, if there is a conflict, suddenly they're behaving in ways that are in conflict with submission to Christ because the cause is so important. And what we cannot do in this world is say, God, even in good things, I cannot allow the good things to take the place of you. In every area of my life, would you be the one who has my allegiance? What can take your allegiance? It can be the simple things. It can be good things. I've talked a lot over the last couple of years. Sometimes things like politics and our viewpoints like that can take our allegiance. People could look, if they looked at your life and they said, are they more passionate about their political party or Christ? Some of us wouldn't like the answer that people would say. Right? Where is our allegiance? For some of us, it comes down to very simple things. Our allegiance comes, our allegiance is to a spouse. It's to that girlfriend, to that boyfriend. Sometimes our allegiance is just to ourselves. What we think, what we want. We're calling the shots. The challenge in Babylon is that we don't act that way. That we say, God, may we be those who are fully submitted to you. We lay ourselves down. He said, it's not just compromising our allegiance. Babylon wants us to compromise the second thing our values and our beliefs. Our values and our beliefs. I think this can be a really slippery slope because what does God say? We should be finding our values and our beliefs not in the philosophies of the world, but in the word of God. Do we come to his word? This is where we say, God, what do you say? What do you speak? I'm gonna believe those things. I'm gonna value the things you say I should value. I'm not gonna value the, I'm gonna value what you speak to me. But for many of us, rather than valuing what God has said, we like to value the things that make sense to us, right? We like to value the things that other people have spoken. Sometimes we just like to value and believe the things that culture has spoken. And this is why so often the church looks just like the world, because we've lost sight of the word of God, and we're just looking at everybody else. 
We're valuing what they, we believe, well, that makes sense to me, right? Me and my buddies got together, and we think this makes sense. Doesn't matter what God's words say. This is what we think. And if we're followers of Christ, we submit. We say, no, our allegiance is to Christ. So guess what? When there is a conflict between what I think, what I believe, what those around me believe, and the word of God, I submit myself to Christ and to his word, and I say, God, I may not like it, I may not understand it, but God, I submit to you. That is what we are called to as followers of Christ. God, we're yours. But Babylon doesn't want that. Babylon wants you to say, your thoughts are better, right? What your friends say is what matters. What makes sense to you is what's most important. That's what Babylon wants for you. Because they're taking you the wrong way. Finally, we get to the last one. Babylon wants us to compromise our behavior and our lifestyles. Not just our allegiance, not our values and beliefs, but our behavior and our lifestyle. What are we called to? As followers of Christ, we don't like this word. It's a word, young people, you know, we don't want to talk about this word. What's it called? Holiness. What does holiness mean? It means set apart. In our behavior, in our lifestyle, we are called to be holy, to be set apart, to live different from everyone else, right? Not better, but set apart. Why? Because our allegiance is to a different king, right? Because our values and beliefs are not grounded in the world, they're grounded in the word of God, right? Therefore, our behavior and our lifestyle should look different, right? We shouldn't look like everybody else. People should see our lives and say, that's different, but what happens? We are challenged to compromise so often. What do we compromise? Compromise in our priorities. Remember I shared this last week. The enemy isn't going to try and get you to worship the devil. What's he going to try and do? He's going to try to get you off just a little, right? Get you to make a little compromise in your lifestyle. Just as I'm just going to get a little bit off. Why? Because he knows in time you're heading the wrong direction. So you get your priorities. Suddenly you're like, man, I love you, Jesus. You are most important, but you show up to church once a month when it's convenient. Sorry to meddle. I don't really care if you show up to church. Just don't tell Jesus he's most important if everything else gets the priority over him. So we say, God, are you most important? Okay, then I'm going to prioritize things that way. I'm going to put you first in my family, right? I'm going to put the things you value above the things that I value. It's more than just simply priorities, though. I go to things like our time. How do we spend our time? God, I love you, but I never open the Bible. I never spend time with you. I never spend time in prayer. Well, don't say that Christ is first. Don't say that you're pursuing him, that you're following after Christ, if you're not taking the step to follow him that way, right? Remember, the good news of the gospel, you don't save yourself, but what is your response to the gospel? Are you responding with everything that you got? I know I'm guilty of that at times. More than that, we talk about even things like our finances and our stuff. Say, God, we put you first. Put you first. But do we? If someone looked at your checkbook, would they say, that's somebody who prioritizes the kingdom of God, who has an allegiance to some other place than I, than I would even know? Or would they look at your, your checkbook and say, well, it kind of looks like everybody else? See, here's the thing that the enemy does. The enemy tries to get you to tweak your behavior, your lifestyle just a little bit, Right? Because in time, what will happen? That tweaked behavior will start to change your values and your beliefs. And in time, you've changed your allegiance. He's getting you off course. Or he's not rocking and roll, like shaking you up and like totally. No, he starts with the little things. 
the little decisions. So as we come to the end of this series, we come to the end of living in Babylon, I, I would hate, I mean, I, the amount of hours that I spent studying for this series, you've listened to 13 weeks of me preaching, that's probably in the vicinity of nine hours of me talking, I'm sorry, I <laughs> apologize for that. But the last thing that I would want to accomplish from a series like this is nothing. <laughs> the last thing that I would want is that we carry on with life as usual, that we do things like we've always done them. Instead, my prayer for us as a church is that we would actually take hold of these principles and say, God, help me to live for you, Father. May I not follow Jesus with unintentionality. May I not just stumble into this thing. Why? God, may I be intentional in my faith. May I pursue you with everything that I've got. And when I screw it up, and I will, God, may I turn back to you and say, God, help me again. I repent, and I'm yours. And it's when we walk and pursue Christ like that, this journey. I got the t-shirt on today. Embrace the struggle. Faith ain't easy all the time, right? There are times where it's a struggle. You're wrestling. This faith thing, is, it's hard sometimes. But we engage, we stay engaged in the struggle of faith. And we say, God, I'm going to continue to pursue you. I'm going to continue to give my life to you. And God, when I'm off course, show it so that I can turn back to you. My desire is that as a church, we would not be those that are just floating down a lazy river in our tube, doing what everybody else is doing. Remember the image I told you. We just need to stand up. If you would just stand up, Rather than following where everyone else is heading, God, I'm going to pursue you. It's going to require me to change some things. It's going to require me to make some adjustments to my life. But God, you are worth it. What I want to do this morning, if you are here in the room, you received a card when you walked in the door. It's a little piece of white paper. It looked like this. If you're with me online, uh, don't worry about it. I'm going to put the questions here on the screen for you to be able to follow along. I want you to take this card out. If you didn't get a card by chance, just pull out a note on your phone. That's fine. And I'm going to give you space this morning for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, the introverts are going to love this moment. The extroverts are going to go crazy for about three minutes. Okay? But I want you the opportunity to process a little bit, to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to respond. Two questions I want you to ask. Number one, where have I been compromising in my faith? Ask the Holy Spirit, where have I been compromising? In an area of allegiance or values and beliefs or behavior. And then I want you to write that down. Be specific. Second question is this, where do I need to be more intentional in my commitment to Christ? Ask the Spirit to speak to you. And then write that down. And then when you're done doing that, I'm going to give you a few moments to do that. Then what I want you to do is I want you to pray a prayer. I want you to repent of this one, and I want you to pray a prayer of recommitment for this one. Okay? I'm going to give you about three, four minutes to do this. We're going to make some space for you to be able to do that. And then I'm going to close things together here in a moment. So.
Father, I thank you that you are one who is consistently inviting us into deeper waters. You're always inviting us to be closer to you, Lord. And um, it's not a, a reprimand, it's a call to something even better. So God, I pray as you've spoken, and I believe you're, you're going to continue to speak to us. Lord, I pray that we would hear your words, and as it says in James, God, we would be those who hear and actually do it. Father, we wouldn't just be hearing what you speak to our hearts and carry on with life as usual, but God, I pray that you would give us the courage and give us the faithfulness to step out maybe into some new areas. God, I pray in the areas where maybe we have, we have slid, we've compromised, 
in our allegiance toward you, God, where we've allowed things into our life or maybe we haven't been engaging in the things we should. God, we repent of those things. We turn away from those things, God, and we turn toward you, God. And I pray in the areas where you're challenging us to to raise our level of commitment, God, I pray that we would take steps even today to begin to change, God. God, not because we're going to get better so you like us more, but God, we are going to be more responsive so that we can live out the good things you have prepared for us and that you've made available to us, God. We thank you for that, Jesus. God, I pray for every one of us. Help us to live that out. In your name we pray. I invite you to stand with me across the room, those online. I encourage you just to join with me. I want to, I invited the worship team to, to close our series with a song. And this is a song that we started at the beginning of this series. And to be honest, this may be top five in my life of worship songs because the lyrics to this song are so profound. And so I asked them, could we just as one final closing as we wrap this series up to say, God, we're yours. May our lives be for your glory and not for our own. And so I would encourage you, if you want to stay where you are, if you want to get on your knees, if you want to come to this altar over the next few moments in response, I would encourage you to do that. But let's just respond to God. Thank you.
Sing that chorus one more time. Oh, Christ be magnified. Well, let it be your anthem. grab me every time. It just takes me to Romans chapter 12. And I just pray this over us. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. My prayer for us, Lord, is that we would be those who submit everything that we are, God, in the altar of our life to say, Christ, be magnified in us. God, when everything goes the way we want it to and we're standing on a mountaintop, may we celebrate and rejoice in our creator, God, who is in charge of all things. God, when we are still standing in the valley with our knees skinned, worn out, tired, and beat up, God, may we be standing there with our arms raised, saying, be glorified in the midst of the valley. In every season, may you be honored and glorified. May everything we have be for your glory. We come to you and we offer ourselves to you today. Have your way in us, Lord, we pray. May we walk out of this place serving you in every day of our life. For your glory. In Jesus' name. We'll leave you with a
challenge as we go out the door this morning. It's a simple one. Stop it and do it. Okay? Stop it and do it. Number one, you answered the question, where have I been compromising in my faith? Stop it. Sometimes we make it too difficult. Like, why do I have problems eating? Stop going to the buffet. Like, just stop, okay? Where have you been compromising? Stop putting yourself in that circumstance. There's spiritual element, but there's also practical, okay? And you say, God, where, where do I need to be intentional? Do it. What's the area you need to be intentional? Start doing those things. Stop putting it off till tomorrow. Okay? It's always going to be tomorrow, right? Start doing it. Let's do those things. And let's say, God, we're all yours, all right? I want to pray a prayer of blessing. God, would you help us to live this thing out for your glory? May we walk out of here different in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. If you need prayer, please come receive prayer. If you heard me preach today and you have never made a decision to follow Christ, I'm going to stand right here. And I would love to help you on the journey of following Christ. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you back next Sunday.